Okay. Praise the Lord, everyone. I believe what I have this morning for you is from the Lord. This, this message could have taken 100 million different directions, but what I have, I think, is what the Lord wants to speak to us today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask you in your name, Lord, this is not my word, oh God, but this is your word. And you have called me this morning, oh Lord Jesus, to encourage your people. Lord God, I ask in the name of Jesus that your word would go forth, that you would speak, that I would just be the vessel this morning. I ask that the hearts of your people are prepared for the word that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Our opening scripture this morning is Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are, we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The, the idea of a race to describe our walk with God is used many times in the New Testament. The word race has two definitions as a noun, the, the word is defined by a situation in which individuals or groups compete to be the first to achieve a particular objective. As a verb, it is to compete with another or, to, or others to see who is the fastest at covering a set course or achieving an objective. Paul and his writings to the churches in Corinth, Galatia and Philippi use these ideas. To the Corinthian church, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, that, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. To the church in Galatia, he said, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And to Philippi, he wrote in Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And in chapter 3, verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul describes negotiating life as a Christian to having an attitude or needing us to have an attitude that the athlete has when preparing and running for a race. Athletes follow strict regimes in order to build strength and endurance in their bodies. Their focus is on the prize and it's what drives them to discipline themselves to make the lifestyle changes needed to obtain that prize. The scriptures teach that being a child of God requires more than a profession of faith. It goes beyond repentance, baptism in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of sin and receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. This is just the beginning. B 
Being a child of God requires the same sort of diligence that athletes exercise. We need focus. We need discipline. We need strength and endurance in order to finish the course well and obtain the prize. Our focus needs to be eternity, to live in a manner with eternity before us. We need to keep our eyes on that prize. We need to be disciplined, temperate, or having self-control in all things. We need to make time for daily devotions just as an athlete makes time to train. We need resilience and strength. Pressing toward the mark requires pushing ourselves at times. We need endurance. In Acts 20, Paul was leaving Ephesus to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. He knew that this would be the last time he would be in Ephesus as God had told him that bonds and afflictions waited for him when he arrived in Jerusalem. Although he was sad because he wouldn't see the Ephesian church again, Paul was determined that no matter what happened to him in Jerusalem, he was going to finish his course with joy and complete the ministry which he received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul wrote to, the, to Timothy and said in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Every race event has a course and every course is determined by the, those organizing or planning the event. Our course, our life is determined or set by Jesus Christ who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews encourages us in Hebrews 12 and 1, let us run with patience the race set before us. So with the help of the Lord this morning, I want to minister to you from the thought, the course or the race is set. Often it is the idea of a marathon that comes to mind when we read the scriptures that reference living life like running a race. A marathon is a long distance running race that tests the mental and physical endurance and strength of a runner. Marathon runners must run with patience in order to go the distance. They maintain a steady pace in order to reserve the energy they will draw on at strategic points in the race ahead to gain the lead. Although there are many similarities that can be drawn between a marathon and a life of uh, living for Christ, our race is a little bit different. Everyone who is alive is running but only a few will obtain the prize. Life is not about finishing first. Our race is not about finishing first. It is not a competition. He who dies with the most toys definitely does not win. The race we run is more about how we do life, how we negotiate our course. You see, life is not smooth like a road or a racetrack. Anyone here had a smooth sailing? No. It's more like an obstacle course. An obstacle is anything that is in the way that hinders progress. On an obstacle course, challenges are placed at intervals along the course for participants to climb over, crawl under and cross over. Each obstacle is a test of endurance and strength and must be conquered in order to progress towards the finish line. 
The, the difficulty of each obstacle is determined by the skill set of the participant. While some find certain obstacles easy to overcome, others will find them difficult. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11 tells us that time and chance happen to us all. The course is set. Sometimes the obstacles we face in life are preventable. They are the consequences of choices we have made. Sometimes the obstacles we have to deal with are the consequences of other people's choices. And other times the obstacles seem to come from nowhere and take us completely by surprise. Whatever obstacle life throws at us, God is not surprised. COVID-19 and the violence that is prevalent in our world today is a reminder that we live in an evil, fallen world. God knew the consequences of sin long before he created man. Before he spoke the earth into existence, he had a plan of redemption for us. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 20 says, For as much as you know that ye are not redeemed, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foredained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In John 1, we see John tells us that God had a plan from the beginning and that God was that plan. In verse 14, he tells us that that plan was made flesh or manifest and dwelt among us. Jesus came to change the outcome of our race. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, the way, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Our own understanding and wisdom is unable to determine what is right and wrong, what is true and what is false, what is worthy or unworthy. God's written word is the only trustworthy source for determining the right path of life. The human way leads to death. God's way leads to the prize, eternal life. In order to obtain eternal life or the prize, as Paul describes it, we have to surrender our life, our course, and live in obedience to his word. That does not mean that the obstacles of life are removed. We still must go over, go through, and cross over whatever is set on our course. But we no longer use our own understanding to navigate those obstacles. We no longer have to run it and do it on our own. We have the written word of God, his spirit and his body, the church, to help us through, over or under whatever obstacle is in our way. It is not his plan that the obstacles should hinder us, but that they would strengthen us and move us forward into his plan. We not only run this course as individuals, but we run as a team, as a body. When someone struggles with the challenge before them, the body is there to help them overcome. When we don't come to church, we isolate ourselves from the body and we compromise our strength. When the body comes together to worship and hear the word of God, we receive strength that only can be attained by gathering together as the body of Christ. When we forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, we are in danger of becoming, in danger of becoming isolated in our minds. Our struggle becomes our own as we begin to believe that no one else is struggling in that area. But 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 tells us there hath no temptation taken you, 
but such is common to man. God is faithful and will only give what give to us what we can bear and he will make a way to escape. He knows how much we can take and we can take much more than we think. Often the way of escape comes through the body of Christ at work. It comes when we worship together. It comes when we're being ministered, not ministered to, not only from the word, but through our brothers and sisters when they unknowingly extend a helping hand that will pull you through or over or out by a smile, a word of encouragement, an arm around the shoulder or a prayer fitly spoken. When we gather together, it's like a scrum or a huddle in sport. We, the team, all come in and get the next gameplay. We are refocused. We reset our eyes on the prize and we are better equipped for the challenges that we are facing and the ones that lie ahead. Ultimately, he will deliver those that fear him. He will snatch us out of the snare of the fowler when he calls us up. But we need to hold on to him. Paul was, Paul was called of God to bear the name of Jesus before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This course would be filled with many obstacles, causing Paul to suffer greatly. Paul remained committed to his calling, completely trusting that the God who called him was faithful to keep him. Paul knew that the only way to overcome the obstacles was to be focused on an incorruptible crown and be disciplined like an athlete, strong in his mind and endure whatever he would come up against. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, he wrote, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight not as one that beateth the air. He knew what he was running for. He knew what he was fighting for. And he, kept, he kept his body into, and brought it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul had to deal with his feelings as we all do. But he made his feelings his slave by bringing them into subjection. He dictated to them rather than the other way around. He did not give place to bitterness and vengeance, but extended the grace of God that had been given to him to those who tried to hinder his ministry. Paul's obstacles often found him in life-threatening situations. He faced imprisonment and beatings. He was pelted with rocks and left for dead. He was whipped five times and shipwrecked three times and even spent a night and a day adrift on the sea. People sought to kill him. He was betrayed and lied about and yet none of these things deterred him from his calling. Paul pushed through every situation and circumstance he found himself in with the assurance that no matter the outcome, God was in control. Romans 14 and 8 For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Jesus said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word tribulation comes from a Greek word that means pressure, affliction, trouble, and persecution. These are obstacles that Jesus said his disciples would face. He does not remove them from our course. 
These are, these are obstacles that must be endured and overcome because our course is set. Although obstacles in the natural are defined as hindrances, in the spiritual realm, they can be stepping stones for the purpose of God to be fulfilled. Joseph was the second youngest son of Jacob and had been the prime minister of Egypt for nine years when his brothers, brothers came bowing before him to purchase corn because of the, the famine in Egypt had also gripped the neighboring lands. They did not recognize Joseph. Much time had passed since they had seen him last. I imagine for Joseph it was a little bit of deja vu for he had seen this scene before him before, in fact twice in a dream, 22 years before. The last time Joseph had seen his brothers, they had conspired to kill him. Such was their hatred for their little brother. However, they spared his life by selling him off to passing merchants who were on their way to Egypt. Their hatred for Joseph was so intense, it is mentioned four times in the book of Genesis chapter 37. Imagine the shock and the fear on his brother's faces when Joseph finally revealed who he was. Genesis 45 and 5, Now therefore, Joseph speaking, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did not send me before you, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Although God did not cause Joseph's brothers to hate and mistreat him, he did use it to bring Joseph to Egypt and to equip him for the purpose God intended for him. As a slave in Potiphar's house, Joseph learned the Egyptian language, the customs of the land, and the necessary administration skills to manage people, a budget, and a household. Again, God did not cause the false accusation that brought, brought against Joseph, but he used it to bring Joseph to the prison where he would be exposed to people he would never have met in Potiphar's house. Pharaoh's butler and baker were key to bringing Joseph before Pharaoh. What seemed to be hindrances in the fulfillment of Joseph's God-given dreams were actually stepping stones that placed Joseph in the right place at the right time for God to bring about his plan for Israel. Genesis 45, 7 and 8, Joseph is speaking, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity or to give you a future in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Every obstacle Joseph encountered, he, nego he negotiated with integrity and the, the assurance that God was in control. His attitude was so that even the unbelievers around him recognized that the Lord was with him. Joseph's course was set. God used every obstacle that was meant for evil against Joseph for good to bring about his plan for his people. Joseph could have allowed the pain of rejection to become a root of bitterness, for false accusation to turn into offence, and mistreatment to become a spirit of vengeance. These things could have easily beset him, but instead he chose to lay these things down to forgive and to endure and overcome those obstacles before him with patience, 
knowing that God had a purpose and a plan. When we love hard, we hurt hard. And the love that we have for that person who hurt us can easily turn into resentment. When my son decided that living for God was not for him and he moved out for the first time, I felt resentment rising in me and I recognized it immediately. It's our way. If you're Italian, you love hard, you hurt hard and if you, if you turn your back on me, well, don't you worry, you, um, you're dead to me. Okay, that's how I grew up. That's, how, that's what I witnessed. I didn't pray for God to take it away. I asked him to help me fight it with love for my boy. I had seen in my own family what resentment did and how bitterness could, what bitterness could do to a person. In the natural, we justify our feelings. But when we hold on to those things, a root of bitterness will take hold in our heart and all our other relationships will suffer. Everything becomes filtered through resentment and bitterness. The obstacle doesn't go away, it grows. I'm aware that God knew the choices my son would make even while I prayed for him while he was in my womb. God knew the obstacle, God knew the obstacle my son's rebellion would present in my life. Obstacles I never imagined I would have to face. But I refused to be overwhelmed by them. I decided to continue for what hope does he have if I also turn away and refuse to hold the cause that God has set before me? After dreaming of a Macedonian man calling him to come over and help, Paul and Silas immediately made their way to Macedonia, gathering that the Lord had called them to preach the gospel in that region. They were only there a little while when a slave girl who was possessed with the spirit of divination began following them, calling out, These are the servants of the Most High God which show us the way of salvation. She did this for many days until Paul finally had enough and cast the evil spirit out of her. A good work, right? Unfortunately for Paul and Silas, this young lady's lady's predictions brought a lot of money to her masters. And when their income dried up, they had Paul and Silas arrested for basically disturbing the peace. Before they were even given an opportunity to defend themselves and tell their side of the story, Paul and Silas were stripped and whipped in front of a multitude of people and cast into high, to a high security prison where their feet were put in stocks. The mission in Macedonia... The place they felt that God had called them looked as if it had come to a halt. It seemed the obstacles were just piling up on top of each other with no sign of relief. But instead of being overwhelmed by these obstacles and dwelling on the injustice that was served them, they focused their attention on the one who called them there. At midnight, Paul and Silas, in their extreme discomfort, pushed through their pain and began singing praises to God loud enough that the other prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was an earthquake that shook the foundation of the prison and immediately all the doors were open and all the bands fell off 
and the keeper of the prison who had just fallen asleep on his shift and in my imagination looked very much like the man that Paul saw in his dream came running and was going to fall on his sword and commit suicide because he assumed that all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out, don't, don't harm yourself for we're all here. Then the keeper of the prison brought Paul and Silas out and asked, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas spake to him the word of the Lord and to, and to all that were in his house. And that night the keeper of the prison took them, washed their wounds and then was baptized he and the, his house straight away. God knew Paul and Silas would, in, God knew what Paul and Silas would encounter when he sent them to Macedonia. And when they arrived in Philippi, what they suffered at the hands of greedy and evil men positioned them for the purpose that God had for them in that city. The obstacle of injustice got them thrown into a high security prison where the jailer on the night shift would hear the gospel and all his house respond. Paul and Silas never lost their focus, the why they were where they were, the what they had come to do. This in turn gave them the strength they needed to lay aside their pain and discomfort and the injustice they were served and praise God. And in a matter of moments, their obstacles were overcome. Praise is power. Praise may not remove our obstacle, but it certainly can shrink it down, making it manageable to get over. Paul and Silas magnified God, not their troubles. Job lost everything within a matter of moments of no fault of his own. Talk about something, you know, just knocking your first six. Unlike Joseph and Paul and Silas, there was no explanation in hindsight for Job's suffering. There was no dots to join like in Joseph's story when Joseph was was able to see what he'd suffered in the past had brought him there for that moment. And the end of his trial, he did not see the hand of God like Paul and Silas did. Job dealt with the obstacles of financial loss. All his herds and his servants who tended them were destroyed. He didn't have time to process that when the obstacle of grief presented itself in the loss of all ten of his children. A little time passed when Job faced the obstacle of sickness as boils covered him from head to foot. Job found no comfort in his wife or his friends. He felt forsaken and let down. His expectations of comfort were not met by those who were closest to him. Job did not allow his disappointment to cloud his view of God. He came to the understanding that people cannot give you what they do not have. His friends did not have the same understanding of the things of God and therefore their words of encouragement would be founded in error. His wife could not see past her own grief and spoke through her pain when she told Job, to curse God and die. But Job did not allow his obstacles to overwhelm him and cause him to sin. He continued to trust God. In Job one twenty two, it tells us that in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He had questions and he didn't understand why, but he stayed the cause. Accepting that he was man and that God was God. Job understood that his course was set by God. He knew that God had all power and that he was in God's control. God knew the why. 
Job did question his own existence, but he refused to be angry with God. Job's obstacles were for our benefit. His suffering taught us the lesson that there's always more going on than what we see in front of us. We have the benefit of Job's whole story. And he wasn't privy to that information. He had no idea about the conversations that took place on a certain day when the angels came and presented themselves before God and Satan came among them. God bragging on Job's righteousness and Satan challenging Job's righteousness with a dare for God to remove the hedge of protection that was around Job and all that belonged to him. Satan was confident that if Job lost his stuff, he would turn against God. We know that Job didn't allow that ob- the obstacle of loss to rob him of his relationship with God. His response to loss was to humble himself before God and worship. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When Satan's When Satan lost the dare, he went back again before God and asked for Job's skin. Satan was convinced that if Job lost his health, he would curse God. But God knew Job's heart and he knew that Job was focused on doing the right thing. Job did not entertain evil, but he turned from it. He was a disciplined man who rose early to pray and offer burnt offerings to God for his family. God gave permission for Satan to to take Job's health, but not his life. Job is then faced with the obstacle of sickness. And in his response, Job retained his faith and trust in God instead of blaming him. In all this this did not Job sin with his lips. God restored to Job all that he lost and more. And although God did speak to Job, he never explained why. This is a lesson for us. We may never know why we face the obstacles we, that are set before us. Our course is set and it is our responsibility as of children of God to run with patience and negotiate our obstacles in a manner that God would have us to. We are to stay focused, discipline ourselves, push through some things and endure hardships. Every obstacle we face that we overcome makes us stronger. It refines us. It changes us. It makes us more like Jesus. There is no growth without struggle. There is a battle for our soul. If the obstacles we face can turn us from God, then we will not only lose our soul, but we would have run also in vain. We must push forward and not be hindered by our pride or by our feelings. Our eyes must look up and out and not down and in. When we are self-focused, we are not God-focused. We must not allow ourselves to be overwhelmed with the obstacles we face. We can't wish them away. We must overcome them. Just as you cannot progress on an obstacle course until the obstacle is conquered, we cannot move forward in God until we have overcome the obstacle in front of us. We can rest a while, but sooner or later it is there waiting for us. The course is set. God is in control. He knows what lies ahead for each and every one of us. He holds our world in his hands. Even our mistakes he can use for his glory. 
if we bring them to him and not hide them from him. When we repent, he will work all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He knows the way that we take. He knows the mistakes that we will make. But we should never give up. We must get up and keep going and try again. We must run the race set before us. I cannot run for you, but I can run with you. I cannot overcome your obstacle, but I can encourage and strengthen you. I can remind you that the enemy of your soul will use every obstacle we face to discourage us, to disappoint us, to offend us, to kill us, to steal from us and destroy the work God has done in us and the reward that God has for us. But we must be smarter than that. We must exercise complete trust in God with our life, with the course that is set before us. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The course is set. It is human thinking to ask God to remove the obstacles, to smooth the road and remove the pain. But it is his plan to use them to bring about his purpose and will. It is his plan to use hard things to teach us to love like him, trust in him and walk by faith. The Lord orders our steps. He sets the course. It's our job to hold it and to be faithful to him. Our God is greater than any obstacle life can throw at us and any hindrance the devil has up his sleeve. Our mind must be made up. We must be focused on eternity for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. We must discipline ourselves. We must control our feelings, our flesh, and submit them to the word of God. We must dictate them to them, as Paul said, keeping them under in submission to the word of God. We must discipline ourselves in the word, pray and fast. We must learn to be led of the spirit and not be controlled by our flesh. We must press forward. The way may be difficult. It is narrow. But at the end, there is a crown of life waiting for all those that have fought a good fight and finished the race. We must trust God with the race that he has set before us. We have a cloud of witnesses that surround us. They sit in the grandstand cheering us on. Hebrews 11 mentions some by name and some by their circumstance. They finished their course with joy. They ran with patience. They fought a good fight. They finished their race. They didn't allow their obstacles to keep them from God, from what God had promised them. Not all were delivered. Some were faithful unto death. But, but in this they were not overcome. They faced the obstacle of fear and self-preservation and they won. Their life was not their own. They understood who they belonged to, who had purchased them with his own blood and who had set their course. They understood that Christ would be magnified in their body, whether it be by life or by death. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we stand, the musician would please come. This morning I want to open these altars to give you an opportunity to come before God and reevaluate the obstacles that you're facing and how we approach them. Do we count it all joy? Our course is set. 
Hebrews 12 and 1, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Do we need to lay aside some weight and sin this morning? Are we easily set back? Are we moving forward? Or does something have us stuck? Do we have the victory or do we live in constant defeat, allowing the obstacles of life to rob us of our spiritual promises? We choose our response. Will we run with patience the race set before us? The course is set. God knows where you are. He knows tomorrow. He knows the end from the beginning. You choose to stay on the course. You choose to be saved this morning. You choose to place yourself in his hand and take what he has for you. Nothing that you face. God didn't, it's not a surprise to him, he knows. If you're lonely, God knows. Perhaps that is your obstacle. You can overcome that. By the blood of the Lamb. He is what we need. We, re- we sang it this morning. He's more than enough. When we sing that, is he more than enough this morning? Is he enough to stay on the course? Is he enough to struggle and to fight for? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The course is set. Thank you, Jesus.